how powerful is Cox Internet? So powerful that one day, your daughter will be able to simulate a soccer match against some of the world's best players right from your backyard. Get gig speeds powered by fiber from Cox. It's internet built for tomorrow, today. Internet delivered through Cox's hybrid fiber coax network. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions apply. Why? Why? If you have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. The nights are long. The snow covers the landscape outside of your window. The log in your fireplace is the only thing keeping you warm during this time between time, this world between worlds. And outside your window, you hear the baying of hounds and horses. It must be Christmas time. Hello, Hainted Loves. Welcome to Homespun Hates Bonus Edition. I'm Becky. And I'm Diana. Becky, what does the baying of horses sound like? I don't know. That's why it's unusual. Bay! 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 <laughs> <laughs> nice. In just a few days, we're going to be having the celebration of Christmas. Also, just yesterday, before this episode was released... We celebrated the shortest day and the longest night of the year. (laughs) (laughs) I wanted to chat with you a little bit about the origins of the celebrations that came about during this time, long before Christianity decided to put Jesus's birthday at this time period, because we know he was born in (laughs) May, I think, or April. Not December. And not even zero BCE. <laughs> right. What year was he born? Four, four BCE. Four. He was born in the year four. So somebody messed up that calendar. Or he's lying about his age like most people do eventually. By the time you're 2000, you're like, ah, oh, give or take four years. Maybe he wanted to appear younger because he was still living with his parents at age 33. So he was like, no, I'm, I'm really, I'm really younger than that. Really not 38 or whatever. Wow. Now that we're done ripping the Christ child a new one. uh, (laughs) Hi, guys. Hi. I'm sure I'll be forgiven. He's probably up there laughing right now. (laughs) That's kind of his bag. Yes. (laughs) Anyway, we're not talking about Jesus today. Sorry, Jesus. You'll have to take a back seat. We're going to talk about the celebrations that came long before Jesus and the reason that we do celebrate this time of year instead of on Jesus's actual birthday. It's because for centuries, people feared this time of year. 
And so they would have a host of celebrations to make the nights go a little smoother, to make things seem warmer, and as a way to make an homage to the gods in hoping that once these dark nights were over, they would be blessed with a bountiful growth season in the spring. I know that the Tannenbaum is from Germanic cultures. The feasts and frolicking are from Saturnalia, Roman culture. Mm -hmm. And then the more like fairy lights and magic happening at this time of year was more from like the Celtic cultures. Then the Yule Log from the Norse, which you taught me the other day. Right. But the thing is, all of these traditions do blend together. These cultures and these ideas and these festivals did not arise in isolation. The Vikings were traveling everywhere. They were interacting with the Celts or Celts, however you want to pronounce it, who were also interacting with the British, the Romans, who were already in Britannia, as they called it at that time period. And they were interacting with the Gauls over in Germany and France. None of these festivals are in isolation. They're all intermixed and they're all interrelated. And they all are interrelated still to this day because we still put up a tree this time of year. And we still celebrate the 12 days of Yule. (laughs) (laughs) I see what you did there. (laughs) We still think about this time period as Yule. Uh, You talk about gathering around the Yule log and the word Yule is in a lot of our Christmas carols. Well, Yule was actually a festival that dates back to a lot of these Northern, Western European cultures. And it does come from the Norse word for wheel, which refers to the sun and the cycle of the earth going through its seasons and the sun getting farther away and then rolling back again during the day. The 12 days of Yule represent, in modern times, the days between December 21st, the solstice, the winter solstice, and January 1st, the start of the new year. The 12 days of Christmas are something else entirely. They actually start with December 25th and go through January 6th, which is Epiphany. Posadas, yeah. Right. Now, why 12 days? Well, back in the days of a lunar calendar, you had your months, your 28-day months, and then at the end of the year, there were just 12 days left over. 12 days that didn't fit into the calendar. Kind of like our leap day, you know, our leap year. We have that extra quarter of a day. So every four years, we have a leap day. It was the same thing, except they just had 12 days every year. And those 12 days were Yule. And because that was that time between times, it was also the time when the veil is the thinnest. It's not necessarily at Samhain, but during Yule. During Yule was when the dead walked amongst the living. It was when the gods came through and looked for souls to collect. Oh, it was also a time when you wanted to stay close to your neighbors and have lots of festivals of warmth and celebration and food to keep the scariness out because it was dark. It was dark and it was cold. And what better way to keep out the darkness and the cold? Then to celebrate with 12 days of Yule. The 12 days of Yule begin on the solstice, the longest night of the year. You begin it by lighting the Yule log. The Yule log is massive because it's got to burn all 12 nights. Yeah. 
If it goes out, it's terribly bad luck. You don't want it to go out. You start the Yule log with the ashes from the Yule log of the prior year. Which you dug up from under your bed. Yes, you keep them under your bed all year. I'm assuming if there's more than one bed in the house, it's under the head of household's bed. You pull them out from under your bed. You start the Yule log with these ashes. And if the log does not catch on the first light, it's a bad omen for the upcoming year. Just kind of like our weird holiday celebrations that we do on the New Year's here, especially in the South, we have all sorts of weird things that we do. On New Year's Eve, we got to eat our collard greens and our black eyed peas and our cornbread and all that stuff. And it represents all these things. And if you don't do it, you're going to have bad luck. Well, same thing with the Yule Log. All these traditions because the new year, who knows what could happen. You're in this weird time between worlds, between time, and it's dark. And so this is the time when you need to make sure that the Yule Log continues to burn. Also, the Yule Log cannot come from somebody else's property. You can't just go to the grocery store. You can't buy a Yule Log. No, no. You have to cut it down from your own property or you have to be gifted it from your neighbor. You cannot purchase it. And this would be like a nice, fun project for father and son, mother and daughter to go pick out the perfect log. Kind of like today, how we go out and pick out the perfect tree and chop it down ourselves. Then you bring the log in and it's so big, it doesn't all fit into the fireplace at once or in the hearth. So you light the end that you stick in to the hearth. And (laughs) as it burns, you just shove it in. (laughs) Little bit by little bit, every day you just shove it in a little bit more as it burns. And then by the end of the 12 days, you've got your whole log burned. You take the ashes, you put them under your bed or under your pillow and save them for the next year. Under your pillow? That's messy. Okay, maybe under your bed. I don't know. Pillows back then were probably made of straw anyway. Stone. Actually, no, you should never put any sort of ashes under your pillow. That's actually why a lot of chimney sweeps died of lung cancer during the Victorian era because they would sleep on the ashes. They would make their beds out of them. And uh, there's a lot of carcinogens in that. Yeah. Yeah, it's nice and soft and pillowy until you (laughs) develop black lung. So yeah, don't put your Yule log ashes in your pillow. Put them under your bed, maybe in a jar. (laughs) Keep that sealed tight. Bury them in the dirt floor under your bed, right? (laughs) There's kind of a dirt floor under my bed. It's made of dust bunnies, dust and spider webs. You can also mix them into the soil to grow plants. They'll bring good luck for the new year. So around the Yule log, you would tell stories. You would feast. You would look at the shadows on the walls. You would make up ghost stories because there's ghosts everywhere. But if you happen to see a shadow or a ghost missing its head while you told stories around the Yule log, it meant that you were going to die. So maybe don't stare at the shadows too much. One thing I wanted to talk about with Yule is that of the wild hunt. We've talked about the wild hunt in one of our Patreon episodes about hellhounds. The wild hunt is prevalent in so many pre-Christian cultures. However, it's usually associated with Odin being the head of the wild hunt. It is also most commonly occurring during Yule, though you might hear stories of it happening year round. It's because it is considered the time when the supernatural is going to be most prevalent. What happens with the wild hunt? Well, one way to think about it is a hunting party of ghosts and gods. 
Ooh. The idea of the wild hunt. Odin is in the forefront of this hunt, and he is followed by the dead. He is followed by the damned. He is followed by ghosts. He's followed by other gods. And they're out on a wild hunt. And that's where you hear the dogs grunting and the horses braying across the sky because they're flying, right? Because they're like gods and ghosts and stuff. And it is a spectacle to behold. It's a little difficult to wrap your head around the wild hunt because after Christianity came to Europe, it was converted into sort of a demonic thing. It oh. became something where, no, it wasn't Odin at the head, it was the devil. And if you saw the wild hunt, you would die. And you would get scooped up and become a part of it. And the hounds that came alongside the wild hunt were hellhounds. Would you become a part of the hunting party or would you become the hunted you would become part of the hunting party. I don't know what they were hunting, but right. you would become a Maybe they were hunting you to become part of the hunting party. <laughs> but this is this is sort of what happened after Christianity. This is so embedded into European culture that it had to be somehow converted, just like Yule had to be converted into something that people would continue to celebrate, hence Christmas. I remember hearing, too, once that you could avoid the wild hunt if you heard those phantom hoofs coming while you're walking alone at night, if you lay down on the ground and covered your head so that you wouldn't see the horses passing above you, you could be safe. Why would you hear hoofbeats if they're flying? I know, right? Sounds like a trick. <laughs> Sounds like it's not actually possible to avoid. It's supernatural. You can have hoofbeats oh, okay. in the air if you're a supernatural being. Get with it, Diana. Come on. <laughs> So the wild hunt has become something demonic. It has become something scary. But during Yule, it was something that if you happen to encounter it, if you happen to be out when the wild hunt occurred, you would merely be judged. You would be judged for your character. And if you were a good person, a true person, an honest person, a brave person, probably a mighty warrior if you're a Viking, then, as you turned to go home, you would notice your shoes would be filled with gold. In fact, during this time, a lot of times children, if you hear footsteps, it's the wild hunt. <laughs> it's the hoof beats. Becky, yes. hi. Get on the ground, cover your head, your ears, don't look up. Yeah. <laughs> so, so children would leave their shoes out at night during Yule in hopes that when they woke up, they would be filled with gifts. Wow. Does that sound like anything? This connection. This sounds a little familiar. Up on the roof, there arose such a clatter. Uh-huh. You're not supposed to see what the hoof beats are on the roof, or you're a bad little kid, and you might not get anything in your sock. Shoo. St. Nicholas, the Turkish St. Nick, was known for putting toys in children's shoes. They would leave their shoes outside, and he would come by and put toys in them. Interesting, huh? <laughs> so this hunt went from something that was just supernatural and whatever, it just happened to something demonic, to then Santa Claus. I guess it just sort of split into two things. <laughs> it didn't go from <laughs> demonic to Santa Claus, because these myths of the wild hunt still persist. I see, I see. 
But Santa Claus kind of came out of this. That's fascinating. And of course, also the 12 days of feasting and merriment, gathering around the fire, celebrations with family. It's also a time of worship because you wanted your crops in the spring to come up. It was definitely a time of rebirth, beginnings, and in a way, sacrifice. There were sacrifices that took place as well to hope for a plentiful new year. What a delight. (laughs) But what I love the most about it is it was definitely seen as a time when ghosts are going to walk the earth and you may encounter something supernatural. I've heard that Samhain is when the veil starts to thin. Is the idea that it starts to thin around Samhain and then by the time you get to Yule, that's when it's the thinnest it'll be? I assume so. I don't know for sure. There are so many traditions that have gotten murky that were originally Yule traditions that have become Samhain traditions now. There's a lot of murkiness and this just has to do with things being lost and things being reinterpreted. So I think that's very well possibly the case, but you could probably find different interpretations depending on who you talk to. What do you think it is in reality? Oh. Not traditionally, but what do you think is actually happening to the veil between Samhain and Yule? Oh, I think it's definitely thinning. Is it the luteal phase or the follicular phase? (laughs) That sounds very scientific. (laughs) Sorry, wait, that's the menstrual cycle. I apologize. Also has to do with the lunar calendar. (laughs) You know what? I'll share this with you all because Diana and I are kind of the ghost ladies and people always want to share their experiences with us regardless of whether or not we want to share it on the show because they know that we gather all of these experiences every year, this time of year, friends start sending me stories of things that have happened to them. One-offs, anecdotes, a text. This week alone, I've gotten three of those. Three texts of really weird shit going down in friends' homes. Supernatural shit? Oh, yeah. And these are people that are used to this stuff happening. So it's like more so. Usually this time of year, I'll get one or two, maybe a month. But three in a week, it's like maybe it has to do with global warming. (laughs) Maybe it's causing the veil to thin even thinner. You know, it messed up the ozone. Thinning so. along with the ice caps. Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's getting weird out there, folks. It's pretty thin right now. Will it start to thicken back up? <laughs> it's like transparent. It's like pantyhose and you got a hole in it. And it's just like ripping oh, apart. Oh, no, the veil isn't just thin. It's been ripped. Ah, It's got to run in it. We got to stop with those carbon emissions. <laughs> Get in the veil. The only thing paranormal happening to me this week is two different light bulbs burned out kind of at the same time. Okay. I think I'm being punished for not putting up my Christmas lights. Odin is angry. Odin's angry. No lights for me. Well, no lights for you. Do you have your Yule tree up? I haven't yet put up a Yule tree. I don't have time right now. (laughs) Or space. Interestingly enough, when I was a kid, we had a Yule tree up all year round. It was a plastic tree that just stayed up and we decorated it for whatever season it was. That's so weird. You know, that's not normal, right? (laughs) Well, at the time, it wasn't really even normal to have like a plastic Christmas tree. And I was the weirdo with the plastic tree. It was huge. It was enormous. That's why your parents didn't want to take it down. It's like the people that now have the giant skeleton from Home Depot, just leaving it up year round. 
Well, I did want to give you all instructions. If you would like to celebrate Yule with a Yule log and perhaps maybe see the wild hunt yourself. But don't die. It just depends on what you believe, right? Mm-hmm. If you would like to construct your own Yule log, go into your property. If you have trees on your property, you can cut something down or... If you have a neighbor that has a piece of wood or just go to your local lumberjack and say, can you gift me a piece of wood, please? And you can decorate it with things to create different intentions. Different types of wood have different meanings, too. Like oak is for strength and things like that. So you can go on the web. There's a lot of lists of what different types of wood mean. It doesn't matter what kind of wood you use, but... It has a different meaning depending on what kind of tree it came from. And there are all sorts of herbs and things that you can put on your Yule log as it burns that represent different things. Like cinnamon represents prosperity. Rosemary is protection. If you're worried about all those supernatural heebie-jeebies coming into your house during these 12 days of no time. It really is no time these days, isn't it? Uh, <laughs> then, then you can put that rosemary in your Yule log along with your cinnamon and whatever else you'd like to use and burn it and it will smell like Christmas, right? Cinnamon rosemary, what smells more like Christmas than that? If you really want to get festive, you can dry out some oranges and put that on there. That also is a very Christmassy Yule thing to do. If fire isn't your thing, say you don't have a fire pit, you don't even have a working fireplace, you live in a Manhattan studio and fire is just not something you can do, <laughs> you can make a ceremonial Yule log too. You can get like a stick of, just get a stick. You can even be a stick of cinnamon, like a stick of anything. Maybe, yeah, go to Central Park and find a stick. And you can <laughs> wrap it up with whatever you want. And instead of burning it, you could just, Leave it there and look at it all year. Maybe set it next to a candle. Like it's like you're burning it. I don't know. <laughs> there you can you can make it your own. It's one of those things where you got the weird in-laws coming over for the holidays oh. and you don't want them to be like, What kind of pagan shit you doing? Let's go to church. Yeah. Well, nobody's <laughs> gonna question a Yule log. <laughs> Good point. In fact, you can even make a Yule log cake. A bouche de Noël. I kind of want to make one of these now. They look pretty Coated easy. It's like chocolate. A, yeah, it's like a sponge cake. My grandmother used to make this every year. It was so good. She didn't really make it look like bark, though, because that would have been too weird. Made a Swiss roll cake without making it a bouche de Noël, but it was a symbolic bouche. Not to be confused with a symbolic douche. So anyway, I hope you all found that interesting and useful. Do not be afraid of the wild hunt. Odin is not after your soul. He may actually give you gifts and treats. You might start walking home in the snow as you watch the northern lights coloring the sky, wondering when time will return, wondering when the dead will stop waltzing with the living. And as you walk back to your house, your snow boots may be heavier. Filled with gold bouillon. <laughs> Better than beef bouillon. Better than bouche de Noël yon. Oh, yeah, don't put that in your boots. Ugh, squishy. Well, that was a fun episode. Listeners, I hope you have the best Yule. Becky, thank you for making my Yule tide gay. And everyone, every one of us, 
have a spooky holiday. Homespun Haints is hosted by Becky Kielimnik and Diana Doty and produced by Homespun Haints Media LLC. Editing and music by Becky Kielimnik. Show notes by Diana Doty. If you have a ghost story and you'd like to be considered as a guest for this podcast, please visit our website at homespunhaints.com slash submit. Deep in the bowels of Oklahoma exists a passageway that has remained locked for decades, untouched by mortals. We don't know why it was sealed nearly a century ago, but we are thirsting to find out. Do you have the same insatiable curiosity as us to see what lies beyond his threshold? On September 24th, 2023, we will unveil the shadows together via livestream as we open this sealed passageway, slaking our thirst for arcane knowledge. And we want you to be there with us. Virtually, of course. This may be dangerous. We don't have liability insurance. Oh my eye! But what will we find? Is this passageway a sealed tomb, a hideaway for treasure, a portal into another dimension? Maybe it's aliens. Even we won't know until September 24th, and you can be there to discover the secrets with us. I'm not scared. Visit homespunhaints.com basement to RSVP for this event and find out how you can participate in this interactive adventure with us. As long as there's darkness to explore, we shall remain its loyal devotees. RSVP now and immerse yourself in the abyss of the unknown that is Diana's basement. <laughs> Visit homespunhaints.com basement.